Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here at Guitar Nerds, we're big fans of Isotope Software and their impressive range of plugins. And you, dear listener, get 10% off all Isotope plugins at isotope.com with discount code NERDS10. Every Guitar Nerds podcast for well over five of its ten years has been edited, polished and repaired using Isotope's wonderful range of tools. From their neck to sweet to EQ, compress and lightly add reverb to give the impression that Matt and I are in the same room, to the RX repair suite to deal with pops, clicks and background noise. In fact, every sound sample that you hear on our podcast is mastered using Isotope's Ozone Mastering Suite, and I can even compare audio, EQ, and levels to other similar released material using Isotope's Tonal Recall. It's all very good, and believe it or not, there are a bunch of free plugins that you can try. A vinyl simulator for added character, the Ozone Imager for help visualising your stereo mix, and a vocal doubler for added richness and depth to your vocals. Pretty neat. Check it all out at isotope.com. Do you know, um, JD, I'm, I'm actually terrified of, of lifts or elevators for our... For, for the American listeners, um, but it's it's okay, really, because I take steps to avoid them. Yes, nailed again, JD and dear listener, nailed again. I think that was that was okay. That was. Uh, that was oh, it's good. Oh, it's good. Uh, that, that, that's one to tell the grandkids about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, but you know, it's it's. Uh, uh, we, we, I'm running out of good jokes, though, dear listeners. So I would appreciate I would appreciate people sending in any recommendations for for good dad jokes to start the episode. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds podcast. I am your host Joe Branton, joined this week by JD Short. Hello. Hello, indeed. Hello, dear listener. Welcome back. Um, we're recording this episode a little bit in advance, actually, only shortly, only a day after recording the previous week's one, because I'm I'm off on on tour when this episode will, in fact, come out. Um, but uh, but 
that's okay because it was a good excuse for us to get you back on our podcast, JD. Because um, we, we haven't we haven't done one since the guitar show, and I feel like we've still got a bunch of stuff from that show that we want to talk about. Because we we yeah. we only managed in it was kind of bumper length that episode as well, and in what was nearly two hours across both the Patreon and the main episode, I think we got about halfway through all the things we actually wanted to discuss. Yeah, I mean, I I'd say it, it's it's been weeks now, and I'm still sort of coming <laughs> down from that guitar show. Like it was a really really good show, and there's just so much to see and so much that was that was cool and if it wasn't technically new was new to me or new to us or something you know and there's like loads of just loads of really really great things to talk about yeah yeah absolutely and in fact um i think we only spoke about this on the patron so worth worth Mm. giving it a shout on the on the main episode you bought the 1999 pedal 1991. Um, 1991. Yeah, the 1990, 1999 is the new pedal they're oh, working no. on. I imagine that's purple, uh, and it's just going to be the really clean guitar sound from Prince's 1999. If oh, not, yeah. if not, please, can you make that? Thank that's, you. That's absolutely what it should be. Oh wow! Yeah. Yes, well, yeah. Funny little boxes is the brand that yeah. we're talking about, dear listener. Uh, funnylittleboxes.co.uk. If you want to check out their website, they just do the one, the 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 1991 pedal. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it was, uh, you know, I think we spoke about it last week, completely new to me. It was the first time I'd mm-hmm. come across this pedal at the show. And yet everyone we spoke to like spoke about it, like it was some legendary thing that everyone <laughs> knew about and everyone had purchased. So yeah, like so many people early in the show were like 1991's here, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And I was like, well, I think they're called funny little boxes, but you know, like they're, they're like, it was, it was like the murmurings of the show I was like, oh, they're here. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a really really great really great pedal. What what I found interesting about it uh, is that when we played it at the show, it was with headphones uh, and and on guitar, and like I just I was doing a lot of like really high gain, like kind of stacked gain, high gain stuff, and I, I fell in love with all the pinch harmonics I was pulling off, and I was like, this is great. I'm I'm going to keep the uh, definitely getting this. And that's what I was thinking about using it for. And then I got it home and started playing it with bass. And I use it as just a really, a really good dirt pedal for right. for bass. And I was just, it's it's just a really flexible, excellent sounding, well built pedal that intentionally is under a hundred quid. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's such such. I mean, it's it's everything I want in 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 a company design pedal wise plus it's you know it's pink so we <laughs> love it very <laughs> it's a very bold pink it's a proper lipstick yeah. pink isn't it so yeah. for, for listeners who haven't who haven't checked out the 1991 pedal although i feel like we're the last ones to know about it um <laughs> it, it, obviously listeners you probably guessed it is a well, it's a distortion um but it's a distortion with a pair of gain stages on there is that that right i can't remember the controls off the yeah. top of my head yeah so it's basically it's Gain, 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 gain volume in essence, and then uh, bass mid treble you kind of get. So it's like, I think it's, you know, cascading gain stages and stuff. And it, the pedal originally was meant um, to recreate the like Pearl Jam's, the guitar sounds on Pearl Jam's 10, like right. that album, which I think are some of the best guitar sounds, um, certainly emotionally for me from that era. And uh, it's interesting because like, I didn't know that when I, and when I played it, uh, and then when you know, like after buying it, and and I wouldn't have guessed that, 
but now that I've now that I have it and you know I've certainly seen some of the videos of them recreating the sounds and it's like yeah completely that's what it is but like it's it's not just that if you know what I mean like it's right. it's not that kind of it's not the only thing and that it can do it's just as I haven't really been this excited about a drive pedal I didn't know about for quite some time. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 It's great. And, and it sounds great on bass. So dear listener, mm. you know, worth, worth having a, yeah, you know, having a look at just as a general, uh, drive pedal to get you through any situation but it is you know it's it's a full-on drive pedal you're not going to get any transparent there's no sort of uh yeah, green yeah. overdrive sounds available with this one yeah there's it's not a you know some sort of angry simian or some sort of misbehaving primate yeah. uh, kind of <laughs> kind of sounds but it's yeah it's good yeah i i mean i really like it def- yeah definitely overdrive sound but it's great yeah yeah, yeah, distortion. I'd probably say instead of overdrive. Yeah. Yes, yeah, distortion is probably the the right way. I'm sure that's how they describe it. But it is very yeah. good, and very affordable. Absolutely worth a worth a punt, dear listener. If you're looking for something like that, something heavy and saturated, and you don't want to spend a whole bunch of money, uh, it is a very very good option. Uh, another pedal yeah. company that's uh, pedals actually landed since we were at that guitar show is the Red Beard Effects Harry Squid. Which oh, we yeah. did again, dear listener. I'm aware that we're regurgitating a little bit right now things that we spoke about, but um, it's finally out and about because the Red Beard effects. Whilst Mikey had it on his stand, and I think he said that he'd he'd sold, you know, by the end of the first day, he'd sold, you know, more than enough to cover his uh, the the cost of being there and the stand and everything. So it'd been super popular, but it's finally actually out and released, which is very cool. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I think that's another, you know, I know we talked about it a bit, but it's another really great pedal and just really, um, really flexible. And, and certainly if you want, if you want a pedal that does multiple things, right. you know, like there's like multiple sounds built in, which, which I've been, I've been into recently because I either been trying to have a smaller board or have only taken like one dry pedal if I do like fly dates or something like that. So it's. Uh, really into the idea of being able to get multiple different kinds of things with one box. You know, yes. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, because I'm, uh, I don't know, because I'm, I'm definitely very much not looking into digitally things or stuff with screens. I don't mm. especially like using stuff with, with large menu hopping and having to press lots of buttons to change things. Having pedals that can do multiple things and allow you to do that by just adjusting switches and rotary controls, I'm a big fan of. And uh, the, I mean, the the Harry Squid absolutely does that. It's just a massive sounding fuzz with three different clipping modes and then a, mm-hmm. a volume tone and gain. If anything, it's probably the most straight up pedal, I think, that Redbeard have done. It's definitely got the least controls on on it. Only having three rotaries and one switch is the least controls I've ever seen on a, well, that there has ever been on a Redbeard effect. So, Yeah. And, and from what I remember playing it, like the, you can get like the different clipping modes sound quite different on it as well. Like there's a couple, couple pedals I have where it's like, you know, you're going between silicon or LED and then it's like, well, I mean, there's a bit of difference. It's not like, uh, it's not night and day, but like some of the, some of the hairy squid ones are, you can get quite, quite different sounds just with like a couple, a couple knobs and, a, you know, a three position switch. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's really cool. We need to we need to get hold of one to actually try it out properly because on the stand, Mikey's got this like two note setup, but I found it quite um I don't know, quite uh dry sounding the on, on mm. headphones. And I know fuzz is just the worst effect anyway to try and listen to without an amplifier for it to run into because it's just it's gonna react differently no matter what you're playing it through. Um, so hearing it on very dry headphones, it wasn't really a great idea. Like it was difficult to almost hear the difference between the clipping modes because what I was hearing was the headphones get absolutely smashed every, you know, on each no. setting. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I find, I always find this with distortion and fuzz, especially that it's, it's the one effect that I find has to have some sort of like amp simulation, at least if you're going if you're going dry and like the two notes i think i think yeah i think that sounded i'm definitely would have helped but i find like yeah it's just so important to listen listen to it in a room or listen to it as you might actually hear it with especially if you're going for a really loud buzzy fuzz because that's the thing is that fuzz always sounds to me like a little more buzz sawy than i want it to through headphones and then when you hear it in the actual actual room and like and the stuff i like with fuzz it's it's just someone there. plus i just i just really like to feel fuzz in my chest you know which is <laughs> which is the the what i i think the thing because right now i'm currently my main fuzz at the moment is um the thorpey fallout cloud and right. that one i just i love clicking it on because i mostly just feel it you know like in rehearsal <laughs> it's just like oh my rib cage is rattling now so that's it's great what controls do you get on the fallout cloud it's typical like volume sustain and then bass treble but oh, it's, right they're okay. like at, they're, but it's the, i think they're active boost like, like bass treble so it's right. it's i really like those controls because one of the things i always find with fuzz for me and what i do on bass is like i often don't want a lot of the high end like i don't want the sizzle right. i just want the the low woolly kind of stuff but then even though there's it's there's no blend on it which i also think sometimes can sound weird on fuzz so there's no blend but like having the bass and just being able to keep the low end like fully fully there when you when you kick it on is really helps so i think i think plus i mean they're built like a tank and they look great and you know i like all the fallout video games so the fact that it's called fallout was (laughs) partially one of the reasons i definitely got it Well, what you say about the the clean bend is is really right. I think it's it's um, you know, dear listener, I guess this is going to apply far more to bass players here, but certainly, and I, I mentioned it plenty of times on the podcast, a, a clean blend is a real essential for bass players on most effects. Mm. But because of that, when something has a clean blend, I tend to use it quite in, in quite a full on manner. Or you know, I'll throw in quite a lot, especially you'd think with something like a fuzz. I'm like, well, I want a big fuzz sound, so we need to make sure all my fundamentals are still coming through. So I'll crank the uh, the clean blend. And uh, I was doing this with the with the KMA machines chief disruptor, which we're, we're going to talk about mm. some KMA machines in a bit. But I was doing it with that, and I was like, oh, I'm not quite getting like the bass sound I want. There's, I, I don't know, it was like. A, it felt like two sounds. I can't describe yeah. it very well, but it just wasn't. It wasn't gelling. And I rolled off the clean blend, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, 
oh, there it is. Like I didn't remove it completely, but I just brought it down to about a quarter. So it was being very supportive rather than being overpowering. And it was like, oh, there's the fuzz sound that I'm after. It's, uh, it's, it's easy to, I guess what I mean is it's easy to fall into just maxing out a clean blend as a bass player. Yeah, I, I think I think that like it's sounding like there are two signals is is completely right, and it's one of those things where it just doesn't. I, I do the same thing. I should say is that I I tend to to have the effect sound like I want, and then use the clean blend to to bring a bit more stuff back in. Right. And I think it's one of those things that it would it does work. I use it quite a bit on guitar because a lot of effects I have have clean blends on them or i'm used to running crossovers or different sort of things anyway yeah uh, which is basically what i use a crossover for is is a global clean blend in a sense but i find it if you if you're doing stacked distortions or something or you have like a transparent overdrive or an overdrive into a uh, you know into another uh a different overdrive or distortion or something that if that last distortion or overdrive has a clean blend it's good to still kind of keep that general signal you have just kind of underneath it the thing the thing i find with guitar is if you're just using one pedal with a clean blend it almost always sounds exceptionally weird to me because like with bass it it doesn't it doesn't sound weird because it you kind of want that low supporting bit but with but like hearing hearing a clean guitar on top of or like underneath like the a fuzzier guitar yeah. setting just always to me reminds me of that that um bill bailey sketch where he does like where he's doing like the edge you know and it's like all the effects and then like they cut off and he's just playing like twinkle twinkle little star or something like it sounds so ridiculous it's, it's when you're like smashing a chord really heavily yeah. like you know yeah. a completely dry completely clean guitar doing that sounds weird yeah and- yeah because it because it's because uh I always say this is I'm not the only one, but like for me, for electric guitar, it starts at the strings and goes all the way to the speaker that that's the instrument. And so everything in between. So all the pedals, all the amp, everything, everything this air is all part of this, that instrument. And you play it differently when any of those things are there than when when they're not there. So, right. Yeah, I just which is why, like a lot of times. It's always weird because like now with a lot of modeling technology and everything, when you're when you're recording, I still like to take a DI signal from guitar if given if the opportunity presents itself, because one, then I can reamp easier than everything than anything else I want to do, or I can add on, you know, some plugins or whatever I want to that that signal and just like that clean signal. I almost never use it, but it is hilarious to just listen <laughs> with just like that, <laughs> that album. So if you're like, like listening to like a punk record with just, <laughs> just like clean guitar over the top, like really clean strat, you know, sort of something there. It's like, oh, it cha- changes things quite a bit. Sounds like, you know, Buddy Holly or, you know, like the big bopper on top of like, <laughs> on top of Descendants or Dead Kennedy or something. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. Well, you um on the on the KMA thing, you actually because yeah. you uh you met the uh the, we met well you know I know him, but you met Bruce um <laughs> yeah, yeah from from ADG um who support KMA at at the show and you were a big fan of a lot of the KMA pedals you tried there. You of course you own a, a Queequeg and then a Queequeg two, but yeah, you ended up getting a few more yeah. bits, right? Yeah, I I. 
sort of got lost a bit in uh, playing the uh, playing all the KMA stuff uh, at the show. One, I mean, they all look amazing anyway, and the Queequegs, I, I really like. I really like my Queequegs, so you know, there's like trust factor and stuff. But yeah, they're, I ended they're up- octave pedals. By the way, do this. Yeah, so I've, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, terrible at, at, at doing that at the moment. Same. I just say names of random pedals that people weren't necessarily <laughs> yeah. have heard of, but they're sub yeah, so- pedals. Yeah, so it's basically, yeah, they're basically like the analog octave pedal. So I got the Queequeg 1 before Queequeg 2 came out. Um, and Queequeg 1 was just an octave down. Queequeg 2 is two octaves down, which I very rarely use, but I like to have. But it was also top-mounted jacks. And um, I was putting together a flyboard, and the top-mounted jacks meant I could get one more pedal on that, on that little, <laughs> like, the, like the, the smallest... Um, was it the pedal train the nano? pedal train, yeah, 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 pedal train nano. So I was like, ooh, yeah, it's worth it to do that. Um, so yeah, so I have a couple of those. So yeah, I ended up getting uh, one of the ones that I've been thinking about getting forever is the Worm Two, which is the the newest version of their sort of the heavy metal um, pedal. I think the, the, well, the HM Two inspired pedal, I guess. Isn't yeah, it? and um, I, I mean, I've wanted that for a while. It's also a worm and has a worm on it and you know being a massive dune fan um now it's like well it's worm related so obviously i have to have it so um so i ended up i was going to pick up that one and i did and then i was then also looking at the cirrus because we talked about that a while back uh which is their sort of uh multi-function delay reverb modulated kind of yeah space maker um pedal and because i've been looking for some of those because i i rely really heavily on the boss re20 and uh because i saw the the older one that i they still use the old the, i haven't haven't gotten one of the new ones yet i, I probably will at some point because i just love the re20 so much and uh, well that's the problem actually for me sorry i, I won't take us off no, 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 where, no, no, where no, you're no, going but but that is the i can't say it's a map but the re20 is so good there's nothing that there's nothing more I want from it. <laughs> the the only the only thing I want is potentially to get the single the single size uh, yes. pedal. Yeah. So instead of because because I have the dual, but the thing I because basically I use two settings in essence on the RE20. You know, for two different echo settings. One is a pretty straight delay. One is one is more classic tape delay sound. Uh, and then I use the twist function, which is which is the other pedal where you can step on it. And I use that for just a lot of noise and things like that. And part of me is like, oh, I could just do all of that in a single pedal. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And that would, that would save a lot of space on my board and just wait and things like that. But I, I sort of like having it as two separate <laughs> puddles and it's like, well, am I just going to get a, a newer version? Yeah. It, it. it makes it um, more easy to use live. Certainly, I considered yeah. the, the single one, but then I was like looking at all the alternate functions and things that you've got to press and select in order to get the other bits out of the pedal. And I was like, well, I can't do that whilst I'm playing. So yeah. the second foot switch becomes a. I'd, I'd end up having to, you know, put a control in little pedal yeah. anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, I, plus I just, you know, th- there's literally nothing wrong with the one I have that's. That's right. been on my board since I don't know, probably two thousand nine ish, if not before. When they came out, I don't remember. <laughs> like I think I got it pretty early, but it's. I mean, it's it's the one I. It's the delay I've recorded with for every any time I've had delay. Two thousand and seven. Two thousand and seven. I thought it was older than that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think about that, that's still 15 plus years now. So. Yeah. yeah, this is weird. I need to <laughs> but, find a, a new adjustment point. Like, I think of yeah, anything, I, anything pre-Jurassic Park, which is 1993, mm, if it's earlier yeah. than that, then it's old. But actually, that's that was, you know, a whole bunch of time ago now. So I need to, I need a new... I, I did see something recently where someone, someone was saying that in the 90s, like people talking about the '60s and the '90s is the same as people talking about the '90s today. Like oh. in, the, in like one of those, like this is how long it is. And you're like, no, there's no. I mean, factually, I understand that that's that's what happened, but but it, it's like time time is relative. That's not a thing. That yeah. So, work. in fact, we're talking about a 1991 pedal. You know, like yeah. they'd be the, the same as like people in the '90s being like, oh, I've got the the original. Electric guitar. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that you know the the price. I mean, I know the vin- the price of vintage gear is going up, but I was kind of hoping that you know some things that I own from the eighties and nineties would be worth more than they are. But in fact, that's that's something we're going to talk about though. On the yeah. Podcast, but, but anyway, yeah, we I mean, we got sidelined. We were talking about the Cirrus. Yeah. So yeah. So the Cirrus. So I, I, I've gotten that because the the band I'm playing with now is. Is a, a very atmospheric, you know, post rocky whatever fill right. in the blank. I don't know how detailed we need to be with you know the <laughs> micro labels that we all have, um, but you know it's very atmospheric. Lots of lots of stuff there, and I was like, oh, this would this would give me something. I wanted it. I was looking for a pedal like that that also wasn't the same pedal that everyone else has, you know, right, kind of right. thing. And um, and and. I really like my those Queequegs octave that I could, and I was like, "Well, I'll I'll pick up this here." So after having a you know a little bit of a go, I was like, "Yep, this is good enough that I know that I I'll I'll like it uh, yeah. and do what I want to with it." And then what I uh, and what, then, sorry before yeah, yeah, you yeah, move yeah, on from the series, what I love about the series is that. It, it and it, it seems kind of rare for a company to do this, but 
it's it's a delay and a reverb pedal where they haven't gone after making something functional and usable for for yeah. everyone. It's not like a <laughs> sorry that makes it sound terrible, no, no. does it? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but it's exactly but, what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they've gone. Yeah. Let's make something that just does all the. I mean, oh, to be fair, you can dial it back and get some really functional sounds out of it. But that's not what this pedal is about. It is an absolute soundscape tool, and you, you yeah, know, we, you're not pushing it to its limits to get it to do weird stuff. That's totally within its wheelhouse and that yeah that it is- starts at the weird stuff yeah. yeah 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 like that's that that's i mean and that that's really what i wanted because i i have good delays i have reverbs i like and you know and that kind of stuff and i don't really use reverb live all that much unless it's the re20 i only right. you really use reverb in like the studio and if i'm doing that i've got you know bricasty stuff and you know <laughs> ridiculous um, you know <laughs> but um yeah i don't i just had a quick look at my pedal wall and then i don't have yeah the uh, but the also like delay wise i have the the waza craft um delay oh the dm2w yeah that if if i want you know if i want if i if i want a really good analog delay that i've got that you know and so if that's that's all i was kind of after and stuff so like i wanted i wanted this series you know like i want i want that soundscape magic box kind of thing yeah. so magic books is an accurate way to describe that pedal i yeah. think hmm. yeah. yeah well thanks <laughs> uh, copyright uh, guitar nerds <laughs> no, no, no. um i yeah and then so i was like that's the responsible thing to do i'm going to get those two pedals those are the two i've been sort of after for a while uh and then you're always going on about the chief disruptor uh and you also know how much i love uh big muffs and i was yeah. like yeah but i i have the thorpey i have 14 different big muff variations you know and and everything <laughs> and then i played it and was like yeah i i this is probably the it's it's like the a big muff with lots and lots of options yeah you know yeah. and and i was like that's that's a good that's another good thing for me to have it's great it also so, i mean <laughs> it's three different master voicings that are inspired by three different big muffs so you can choose mm. you can choose like your flavor based on based on that and then having a comprehensive eq so yeah you've got you know just a, a bass and a treble you can choose whether that's pre or post i think you can choose whether it's pre or post uh the gain stack because i can't remember that and then you've got uh that mid switch and yeah. so a second foot switch on the pedal with uh like a frequency selector and then the 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 mids control itself um so you can kind of boost or cut mids and have that on a second foot switch it basically just means it's a completely shapeable big muff you can make it you can pull back in the mids that you lose from a big muff or you can scoop it out and make it really metal sounding it's just versatile but like still retaining that big muff sound but you can actually hear it in a mix because of mm, the yeah. eq controls yeah i i'm really excited um i'm really excited about it to just, to just really have a go with it and also the idea that the, you know it could very well be at the end of the day that i i have an all kma and <laughs> mutron board you know <laughs> like that that's just like all it's going to be um yeah, it could just all be all KMA. And then, so I think we've established that I I like the Queequegs. Um, I, I also uh, ended up 
getting the Moai. Um, I can't. What's the Moai? Moai Maya. Moai Maya. Yeah. yeah, which is basically a multi multi octave pedal. So you could you can you've got your sub octaves and your upper octaves, um, like switchable and things like that. And I I really like a, an analog upper octave sound on a lot of stuff it's one of those things i like to i like to put it in front of um i like to put it in front of filters a lot really right uh just because it, it makes the the envelope behave differently and i think it's it's a really good sound like i don't use it so much for like when i use an envelope i don't really use it so much for like funk kind of stuff i, I mostly use it for like synthy sounds to right. put like okay. to, to get which is what which is why i like the octave up and an octave downs for that so i'll take those maybe a fuzz or something like that then put that in front you know into an envelope and use that as a thing so you get the you get like a really dynamic attack and and you kind of get that that like wow wow sound coming out with um like so for like really dense heavy things it sort of makes the the front of the note like pop out a lot, which is how I end up really liking using it. Is it just it's sort of like that kind of soundscape design? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I'm a big fan of that pedal for doing ward of sound stuff, just because you can have two octaves, an octave up, and your clean signal running at once, and you can blend each of them between and control them all on individual foot switches. That's yeah. very useful. Uh, I yeah. I like that it has um there's an effects loop in there for your clean blend, which is mm. an oddly useful thing because what you don't want, if uh, the clean blend really, what you're going to apply that to is, is, is a drive of, of some sort. If you're going to, if you're going to put something in the effects loop on your, on your clean signal, probably a drive, but you don't really want to drive your sub octave, especially not your sub octaves. Mm. You want those to say clean and fundamental. So, Having an effects loop, which allows you to keep everything else as is, but affect the clean signal, that is extraordinarily yeah. useful. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's I think it's great, and it's it's one of those when you, especially if you are playing guitar or baritone kind of things, and having those like multi layered setups where you have you know, your, your low, your low end goes through one set of amps or one set of pedals, your, you know, mids or uppers kind of do that. So, yeah, you know, the, the people doing those really complex setups, I think, yeah, this is, it's just such a a good way to be able to do that. And, and I agree like the keeping your, your subs, you know, like out and doing what they want to do means that you can, it saves you rerouting your entire pedal board Mm. or having to have some sort of, some sort of like, extremely complex system to keep that out which is what like i i've done i've done previously with um like jhs built me a custom box years ago to do that kind of stuff or i've done it with a couple different crossovers or splitters that i've just had to try to like basically run parallel (laughs) parallel signals in inside my board before it was you know easy or cool to do (laughs) so. <laughs> before big boards were in fashion <laughs> yeah well, well yeah because well, they they were definitely in fashion when i when i got all the ideas that this is how i wanted to do it and then you know no one wanted boards for a long time and then now it's like board is most of your gear you take certainly in in like in town it feels it, like it is it's funny how switches have become essential um yeah 
because they they weren't. This is uh, this isn't actually where I was going to go with the podcast next. But I, recently, I was watching my favourite rig rundown with uh, my favourite player of all time, Juan Odriete. Oh, I think. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this great rig rundown i can't remember from when like maybe 2013 i don't know like it is on youtube dear listener if you want to check it out it's uh it's on the last mars vault at all not their well obviously their back oh yeah i remember i know this one yeah yeah, yeah. They, they just released nocturnica which is a, a terrible album but um but <laughs> it has some of one's most interesting stuff on it as a as a bass player and uh he's doing a rig rundown with his setup and he shows his pedal board and uh i think you know and, and all the pedal boards for the mars vault are around that time when they're showing them none of them have switches but they've all got like you know, 20, 30 pedals on their pedal boards and they're controlling everything individually, mm. it's, uh, which sounds like an absolute nightmare, um, you know, now. Yeah, I, I mean, because like I, I don't run, I have done in the past, but I don't currently run um, any switchers. And there's a, even now there's like one one song we have where I basically have to do the tiniest little two step to be able to get <laughs> to get you know like these things on and off at the right times but it's it, it's definitely one of those things where I felt maybe get a switch also switchers the switchers now having reasonably desirable functionality is and also being reasonably affordable feels like such a relatively new thing it wasn't really until right. sort of boss came out with theirs but yeah. before it was like oh maybe this is the thing and the fact that it has other functionality as well that you're like oh this is actually pretty pretty useful piece of kit you know sure. like it it's not just as exciting as buying a new like hard case you know <laughs> where you're just like yeah. this is really exciting if you gig a lot but not you know, like <laughs> you can't really brag to your mates about it. You know, like, sure, yeah. Check out, the, check out the this case. Ones... Check out my case, bro. You know, like, uh, hey, yeah. I, I'm impressed by hard cases. Oh, oh, me, me too. It's one of my favorite things. But still, like, <laughs> we are, we are the minority. I would imagine. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I imagine. I mean, the, the the boss switches are expensive. You know, you're over six hundred quid, and gig rigs the same. Mm. It is a lot of money for something that's just allowing you to switch between pedals. But the fact that now you have, so, you know, things accessible at the hundred pound mark. Is is, is yeah, very yeah. good. I, I always really like the Carl Martin, the Octa switch. Yeah. I just liked yeah. that it was simple. There was no menu, no dicking around. It was just like here's eight switches. Each of them has eight little dip switches next to it. So you choose which things are on and off by selecting those for each one of yeah. these patches. That's great. That's what I want from a switcher. So yeah. No. I mean that that's that's an excellent shout. And I think those are actually that I might. Um, I might check reverb here in a moment. Um, unless, <laughs> unless you want to do all the weird, like changing pedal order things and all that stuff that Boss allows, the Carl Martin kind of has it for me. They're like three hundred quid, which is yeah. still, you know, not to be sniffed. That's still a chunk of money, but it's you know they 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 do everything that you could possibly need, and they're built like tanks. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely they're definitely useful if you have the this is my sound a this is my sound b kind of things you know which are multi which i do as you know i probably already talked about 10 different distortions like Uh but if you know but if it's like i have some chorus on on the chorus and then i don't on the verse you know like Uh, it's not really a thing you need but 
Yeah, that is a good point. I, I I mean, yeah, I didn't really think about that, but yeah, I guess on the MS3 that I use, the Boss MS3, even though it's, I know it's a multi-effects as well with a switcher, but mm. it's nice being able to do things like I'll have on, you know, switch one, that's clean. So everything is bypassed. But if I hit one a second time, it adds in loop one, which is my octave. So my octave pedal isn't something I can get to from one press. It's if I'm on something else, mm. it's a double st- stop on pedal one. But I can add an extra function to each thing. So without having to go to my bank switcher, it turns four switches into eight switches. It's just some yeah. you double tap for, some you single tap for. And that is very useful because then I've got essentially eight pedal options in a tiny little form factor on the MS3. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I there's such cool stuff. Cause I, I, I also started um, playing about with my mod dwarf again the other day to, to just think about like, oh, oh just yeah. build up, build up some like build up some, some patches and not necessarily like, I don't know. I wasn't necessarily, I was trying to read, redo a pedal board. So it wasn't thinking of it as like each individual pedal has its own sort of on off switch, but really thinking about, Oh, it's mostly this is pedal board one, this is pedal board two kind of thing. And then I could do like on offs for some of those things. And I was just trying to play about with some of the rooting and things like that, which is such an easy thing to get lost in and yeah. spend an entire night like the, the designing mod a board. But is the same yeah. as similar to like the poly Bebo. Um in that it's uh, it, but it's open source tech, right? So it's it's a touch screen thing where you're adding, you can make whatever pedal chain you possibly want. Yeah, yeah, and it's and I I do all of it through. There's just basically just a browser interface, and you can you can load in loads of different plugins and um, which are all basically you know models. So it's like drag and drop kind of stuff, and you're just like bloop, bloop, you know, and and like infinite levels of routing and midi in and out and controls and all that kind of stuff so there's there's lots and lots and lots of functionality behind it um because i've also have it where i had samples loaded up so one of the belt alauda songs we have has like a it's like a poem um that is that's the the vocals are is is someone that's not us reading a poem right and that was one of the ways to to have that just sort of triggered was just I could do it through that pedal and just like stomp on it and it starts the starts the sample you know without having to have like many different pieces of kit. That's very um, cool. Also, to be fair, I I did the I have done the same thing with the Boss loopers, you know that you can load in. So I can't remember, I've bought one of the little I have about four oh. different loop pedals. I never use loopers, but like but I had one just for that basically to play samples. So. Yeah, yeah that, I mean that is that I I use uh, RC three in, in the in the band I'm in with Emma Silas Fennick. That's mm. uh, that's what you know. We've got our first gig on Friday. It's a thirty minute slot, and I am bringing four guitars and, uh, yeah, and three pedal it. boards. So because I've got so many guitar changes, it's virtually every song I've made. I a love second. that you have a pedal board per guitar. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost, almost. But it's, uh, yeah, the one of the pedal boards is just an, a Boss RC3 running into a Fender Dual Marine Layer Reverb. So oh, that yeah, yeah. when I'm changing guitar, I can trigger this like a little ambient sample and I can manipulate the Marine Layer Reverb just to get, just so that it's not just playing a sample so i'm actually doing mm. something and uh, i can mess around with the, the the reverb it gives it sort of a subtle the way the 
the reverb tail works on the marine layer, it's kind of like a subtle delay adjust almost. So you can yeah, get some cool sound. I really like those marine layers. I, for, I always forget about them, but they're really... Actually, the whole series of Fender pedals are really good, like just... Went under the radar a little bit. Yeah, yeah, because I have the I have their envelope that is oh the pretty pour good. over the pour over yeah. envelope filter. Yeah, I really yeah, wanted I'm, that. I've got it, almost every single one except for that pedal. I need to get that. Yeah, well, hmm. interesting. Cut your deal. Um, <laughs> I just yeah, it's a really good. I, I also have like loads of different envelopes. So I'm very picky about right. envelope sounds. Um, yeah, anyway, we've talked a lot. Uh, yeah, is that all the pedals, all the KMAs I got? Yeah, four. Yeah, that's four. Yeah, yeah, was, and then was... and then the Tyler at some point. So, uh, the Tyler, just... which is the switcher, which is a, yeah. yeah, kind of a simple just a, a switcher that allows you to plug in a, two additional pedals, then blend in a clean. You've got a high yeah, pass, high low passes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. really handy, really good for being able to tailor things that you like doing, which is stacking mm. drives. This allows you to do that and then really control those, so you can make a really full-bodied overdrive sound, or not necessarily full-bodied, just something really specific to what you want. Yeah, and you have absolute control. It's it's very useful for those who are fussy about overdrives. Yeah, but, of which I will say I am. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, again. That makes my near nearly KMA board uh, more complete. So, there, there you yeah. go. There you go. Well, <laughs> oh, uh, yes, that is indeed the question, duck, dear listener, which is uh, which is the duck reminding me that when JD and I are done here, we're going to be heading over to the Patreon exclusive episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast over at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds where every week i take a question or a number of questions from the guitar nerds facebook group and me and jd discuss them over there so we've got kind of a few this week i don't know exactly what we're going to go for john by who always puts great honestly he does half mm. of my job for me i should really put him on some sort of payroll but he comes he, he has some great suggestions this week um He's uh, uh, He said uh, one of his questions is, name a guitar you love the look of but couldn't get on with the feel or how it played. I just had this experience with a PRS SE Custom. So me and JD might talk about that. Guitars that we thought were great but just didn't deliver when they actually came down to it. That might be a subject. And, yeah, uh, and, and also another one from him, and this is great, very topical, in the spirit of the bad monkey, which I've avoided talking about on this podcast, dear listener, just because it's everywhere. Come on, everyone's making a joke about it or doing something, but I can't, yeah, whatever, fine. Anyway, so he said, in the spirit of the bad monkey, what's the cheap piece of gear from your younger years you wish you'd bought as it's now worth a fortune? I personally wish I'd got a Gibson BFG. So maybe we'll do that. Maybe some others. We'll see. We'll see how those uh, how those go. But JD, talking about uh, envelope filters. Now that DoD yeah. are back, I was thinking about getting their 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 for, the filter four forty, the envelope filter four forty. Now that it's back, do you can you weigh in on this? Any any advice? Are they good? You tried one? I mean, I. So I I have a, a real soft spot for DoD in that they were sort of like in in the US when I like in the 90s and stuff when I was like sort of coming up getting 
a bunch of gear and whatever. Like they were some of they were some of the the ones you could get a hold of that right. were really good. And and I, I just love a lot of a lot of the looks about them, and like all the all the ones that have become classics now. You know, like the two hundred and fifty, the preamp overdrive, and yeah, um, and now for for us like the meat box, which is the like sub synth kind of thing, and and some of those. But I I I haven't played their their envelope for quite some time, but I I remember liking it. But I'd I'd like to I'd like. I'd have to listen to it again for that the four the four forty. Yeah, but. yeah. Lots of guitar demos, dear listener. So if you're looking for this sort of thing for guitar, there's plenty out there for you. Very little for us bass players. But uh, we, I, I should have actually done this under the news. I should play the news jingle. I missed a trick there, but because the news is, of course, that it has been relaunched. But you know, reasonable reasonable price. Looks like it's going for. You can find it for as little as a hundred pounds. I mean, for for that, they're they're all they're all great. Like I I have and love the DoD grunge like pedal, you know, which to me, Kurt Cobain, <laughs> yeah, never never sounded grungy to me. Like it was just like some like like delightfully noisy, high gainy kind of mess. But like right. yeah, that that whole series of pedals around around that time and stuff they did that were really. Like when, like when the original meat box was there, and it's like, oh, look, it looks like meat. <laughs> That's a fun paint job. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And it's not like they were different. We could check, you know, which one has the best marbling or whatever. But, you know. Yeah, I, 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 it took me years to realize that that the sort of the weird, um, the weird finish on the the meat box was deliberate. I thought they were just all old and and scratched <laughs> up. Because the first time I ever saw a DoD meat box was probably that 2013, the Juan Alderete. Um, oh, yeah. rig rundown he's got one of those yeah. on there but i feel but, like i feel that rig rundown is was the original sort of bad monkey of like getting things to be like oh and now now it's expensive because we saw someone be like oh i got this thing that i just always like yeah. so yeah yeah for sure definitely but he uh it's, it's so you know watching it i was i was like he's got uh, an earthquake advice is, I can't remember what it is. I think it's, it's a drive of some sort, I think. Mm. But it's in a big box. It's in a weird big box. And he talks about it like he's like, oh, yeah, this uh, this guy who makes this company came came up to me at a show and, and gave me one of these, and I kind of really liked it. It was before earthquake advices were yeah. established, and he just had a prototype because he'd been given one by and, and and loved it i was like oh that's great back then we didn't even know the, the, the leviathan that that company has become yeah today. Has been, yeah yeah just it's some some small town pedal you know someone making pedals in a small town somewhere yeah, like, yeah. i mean who was who was i talking I was talking about this with someone recently it may have been at the guitar show who knows um but it was it was about the the idea that like in and I feel like the internet's great. Well, obviously, I mean, it's still up. yes, the internet's <laughs> lovely. Thank you for all listening to this over the internet. But like, hi, and for other hot takes, check out. But but the, the thing with like, but it's like the internet's great. But the, there's there's not the mystery there used to be around the kind of thing. So what we used to see, you know, like yeah, even like early mid nineties, like you would. If you were touring with bands or a band would come through, you'd see gear that they had and you'd be like, I've literally never heard of this thing. And you'd see like weird little boxes of stuff and 
And DOD was kind of one of those where it was like you could only get it from certain places. And it was only if your local shop had one, you know, or there's like mail order in the back of, you know, guitar player magazine or something like that. And and the fact now that we can all just be like, ooh, let me get, let me go see 12 hours of people playing the the 440 filter on yeah. on guitar only, apparently. I haven't checked this out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, I realize we're missing a trick here and we should be doing. Uh, we could easily do bass demos, bass demos. Uh, of this kind of stuff, but yeah. Or well, need to have one first. That that would be helpful. So, yeah, I I, I don't know who's uh, who owns DOD now. I need to find out. And they, reach out. um, is it? Is it oh, wasn't it someone recently? So I know. I think they're part of US Music, right? But that's like saying everyone is. Um, so well, Court US Music was Harmon for a bit. Yeah, it's not Harmon um, anymore. Yeah, oh, well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I'll, f- I'll find yeah. out further down the line. I'll, 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 get, I'll get one. We'll do some bass demos, JD. Yeah, let's do that. Let's. I need. To, I need to bring. We'll plan this out at some point because I need to bring you my upright. Ah, so uh, yes. I, I need to learn. I want to learn upright, dear listener. That's my next. Uh, my next big challenge. Um, I've been been fretless shopping at the moment, thinking about getting one of the court fretlesses. They do a lovely, uh, an artisan fretless. It's got a Bartolini humbucker in the bridge, piezo pickup in there. This this may go back to like gear from your youth that you've always kind of wanted. But speaking of court, so there was a the Kerbo. Do you know the Kerbo instruments? They were like big. I can't remember his name. It was like Gary Kerpo. I can't remember if that's his his, his name. So it was, it was like early luthier, like top end instruments in like mid mid nineties. A lot of Nashville session guys had them and stuff. But Court, or they licensed. Like he passed away. They licensed. I think before that then, but Court licensed um, some of his designs and uh, but and I think they do a fretless Kerpo. But that's like one of those things where. They they have a a unique look to them, right? Um, and it, I think it's it's like extreme sort of upper horn kind of stuff. Um, I see. But they're one of the bases that like baby me was always was always like oh it'd be cool to have one of those like super pristine high end bases you know when it was when it was still just like Padula and Ken Smith and like that era kind yeah. of stuff. So yeah, uh, yeah, I'll I'll find. I'll find one of these. Find a curbo. We, yeah. Yeah. But that, that would be my, my hot take is I keep seeing, I keep seeing fretlesses come up and I'm, I'm thinking about a fretless too. Cause I, I currently don't have one. That's not my upright. And to be fair, most of my fretless recording has all been my upright, but I don't have one in this, in the UK. I've one in the States, but it's, in the states, and I can't really use it. So. Well, come come fretless shopping with me. That's uh, that's that's yeah, my next. Let's do that. uh, that's why I want to do. That's what I want to do soon. Now it, we we do need to do Joe uh, Puttick's topic of the week. So before we do, dear listener, each week um, I spin a wheel with all the names of our top tier. Uh, Patreon supporters on the wheel, and whoever gets selected gets to pick the topic that's discussed on the following week's episode. Also, they get a goodie bag um, full of stuff. So um, I'm going to spin that wheel now, and we're going to find out who the winner is. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Spin the There we go. 
This week, dear listener, the winner and the person deciding next week's topic is Suresh. Suresh, well done. Congratulations. You've outdone yourself there. Um, I'll be in contact and uh, you can let me know what you'd like us to talk about. In the meantime, let's talk about Joe's topic. So um, Joe said, inspired by my recent vintage bargain and at the risk of you guys upsetting the market, what vintage dark horse, uh, whether it's a guitar effect or an amplifier, do you think are still out there that haven't been overexposed and uh, overhyped? And almost importantly, overpriced. Now, what Joe is talking about is the other day he bought a PVT60, one of the incredibly heavy, very gorgeous electric guitars from the, I don't know when they're made, end of the 70s, uh, early 80s, 70s, I guess. Early, yeah, yeah. It's that sort of thing. It looks exactly like that. They weigh a ton. They're made out of ash. They've got like weird pickups that are PV zone design. I mean, they're US built. I think they're US built. They, yeah, they're, yeah, they're all. Be, yeah, those are all USB. Yeah, I mean, they're incredible. Like build quality is amazing. They're built like tanks. They don't break. They're absolutely fantastic. I think Joe picked it up for something like four hundred quid. Like way, way under the value of what an American built instrument should be from that sort of era. And certainly, uh, you know, this is almost this is going to be something. I guess we'll maybe talk about on the Patreon. I owned a T40 base, which I sold for very little, you know, maybe 300 mm. quid. Um, and then, yeah, and, you and know, they're a think, grand all day, every day now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And, you know, yeah, as they should be, though, it's a, for the age and the country that it was made in, the quality mm. of parts, that's that's a, the correct price. So yeah. they're, they're also probably the number one body for people putting aluminium necks on bases. Oh. So if you buy like yes. an EGC neck or like one of those, like it's it's that's sort of the classic non-Kramer, non-Bean sort of that's the next thing that you I do. I guess like it those, has those that look, T40s. doesn't it? Yeah, has that uh, that that beanie Kramery sort of. Yeah, I, I mean my my first bass was a PV PV Fury, PV Fury P bass that my dad bought uh-huh. for me, and it was. Um, and like PV, it's like, I always have this weird association because PV was like, it feels like champion gear now where you see like people wearing like champion sweatshirts and stuff. And I was like, that's the stuff I wore. Cause we couldn't afford like anything else, you yeah. know? And then now it's like, Oh, high fashion. And it's like, so PV <laughs> always feels like that to me in like that era when it was like all their amps and stuff were like PV black widow speakers and stuff like that. Yeah. Those were the, the creme de la creme you could get in, in that. And yeah, like what? What I wouldn't have to have like a the T forty bass and like the the guitar as well, you know. <laughs> like that, there's apps. I mean, that price is absolute steal. Yeah, yeah, four hundred for pounds for a T sixty. Yeah, but what do you think? What do you think? Things that have that hasn't happened to yet. Vintage gems out there that are like sleeper gear. Uh, so I have two pedals which neither of them are that exciting i would say but um w- well they are to me one is the the den electro cool cat chorus so like right. the early 90s era one which were, when it's like the still when they still were in the zinc bodies and it was like 18 volt pedal uh-huh. like stereo pedals that is still to me one of the best sounding choruses i've ever played um right. and i still i still have it store and uh also same era same like mid 90s era like the ebs octabase uh oh octopel, yeah which is 
I I still have like they they still make that, but it's it's they're. I think they still sound quite similar. The the one I have has two knobs and no, there's no switches or anything else. Like now, you can have a couple different switches and all that kind of stuff. The circuitry for the one I have is just is just low. You know, it's basically like sub octave volume. It's basically dual volume is all it is. So it's like volume for your clean signal volume or direct signal volume for the effect signal. And I think, I think it, it tracks amazingly well. It doesn't sound like an analog. It's an analog octave. It doesn't sound like classic, like boss, you know, OC two, three fives. Yeah. It, 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 I think it sounds much more like the Mutron uh, octave divider, which are my faves. And it also just so like the if you just had the the sub octave signal, it just sounds like you're playing a note. It's just a, a, a an octave lower as opposed to sort of doing without sounding like a digital like replication of your note. It's just I I think they're really usable, and I'm surprised every time I go to maybe buy. Uh, a, a touring one basically because i don't want to i don't want to use the one that i treasure like with other people spilling beer on it oh. although this this had beer spilled on it um before and it's still totally functional uh so uh it's great some guy in louisville kentucky by the way um hope he's not doing well and uh but but yeah, I think those are, I mean, those are less exciting because it, it's a chorus and an octave pedal and they can only ever be so much money. But although that being said, my Mutron octave is worth a bloody fortune. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, you've done, you've, you've done well to keep on to that. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, this, what do you think? What it, What's... It's uh, it's tricky stuff that's still sleeper because the thing is it is re- getting so rare that stuff stays sleeper these days. Mm. Like it, w- the stuff that I thought that you know when people ask me this question, the stuff that springs to mind, I realise isn't anymore because it's become insanely expensive. Like and and ap- apologies, dear listener, I'll, I'll throw up a few more bass ones than I will guitar ones, but the Squire Matt Freeman. P bass oh, was uh, yeah. was kind of always the one that I thought when it was out. You know, when it was new, it was four hundred pounds, and this thing was built. It was a fifties style, fifty seven style precision bass in a gorgeous off white. Also available in black with a black plate, maple neck, but it was kind of, uh, I guess, a slightly more modern neck profile. So you got all the kind of looks of a fifties bass and still had quite a comfortable neck. Everything about it was fantastic. Pick it, pickups were well voiced. I don't know what they were. I assume classic vibe standards, but they were very good. And it was four hundred quid. It was ridiculous. Um, there was no reason to buy the Fender equivalent when that was out and about. But the cat is out of the bag very much so with that now. And if you find one, because the people that own them keep them, so if you can find yeah. one, they're going for a grand. So it no longer counts in this category. Um, but uh, uh, things that I think do count would actually no, this one doesn't really because I think it's still in production. But it's still in production <laughs> at a very affordable price. No one talks about it or buys it. And as soon as they discontinue it, someone's going to be like, "Oh, this is obviously the best delay pedal ever," and everyone's going to you know try and get them. The Ibanez ES3, their yeah. uh, their Echo Shifter, which is the delay pedal that comes in a gorgeous wood ended mint green sloped box with um a fader control in the middle before fader controls were cool 
Um, yeah, that, those are those are excellent. Yeah, I I mean, what I was about to say could be taken as absolutely stupid, but bear with. Um, in that, I always feel like Ibanez doesn't get enough credit for the pedals that they make. Right, and why I think that's dumb is clearly tube screamer but yeah. <laughs> you know like but like well, outside but i think yeah. yeah it's it's sort of like they have probably one of well certainly one of the most legendary pedals of all time and 50 different variations of that pedal but the fact that like so much of their other stuff and like some of the stuff they were doing with with like multi multi effects units you know like analog multi effects in like the 80s and stuff are just that that's stuff i would say too is like stuff you could you can you can find as sleeper gear so if you if you're willing to go rack that's probably uh, there's some (laughs) of some of the the mid mid early mid 80s maybe like late like ibanez multi effects unit you can get it I, I saw some stuff recently for 150 pounds, maybe 200 pounds that you could get easy, probably much easier to get in the States. I would imagine as most gear is really. So, you know, easy, like search around for those sorts of things. Cause it's, I think you can get lots and lots and lots of usable stuff for, for almost no money. If you're looking at, at that kind of stuff, it's just, now, I'm not advocating people start touring with, you know, well, I advocate everyone tours with a rack. I don't manage you to do it for like a pub gig or anything, but just to have at home, stuff like that too, I think. It's kind of a good think- overall rule for stuff that's likely to be sleeper gear is, is it really heavy? Well, is yeah, it really yeah, big? Yeah. Because that's what it's become so fashionable for. Every, everyone wants stuff to be small and lightweight or not exist at all and uh, be completely digital. But there's such an obsession with it, which I think, dear listener, well documented on this podcast, is everyone abandoning the concept of things sounding good and that being something everyone thinks of later. I think we're in this point of time now, a bit like the 80s. You know how you look back on the 80s and you go, wow, all that digital gear sounded terrible. And you think you're sort of through that. We're living through that phase now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're, we're the early days of CDs where everything just sounds shrill, but we're like, but look, you can automatically, you could queue up which song comes next. Isn't is yeah, it? I haven't really thought about this and I'm... I don't want to get into like old man yells at cloud territory, but it's it's it does feel a bit like convenience is the number one thing that people are worried about you know and it's like and and not even just having arguments like do neodymium drivers sound as good as regular you know traditional like magnet drivers they don't do they can you get them to sound close yes is there any durability in neodymium no you know (laughs) like they i i mean i don't want to get on a whole neodymium kick but it's it's one of those one of those things where it's just yeah like the idea of like amps that fit like that can fit in your front pocket you know like it's okay to have an amp still be small like like the the ashdown ants perfect size looks like a reasonable piece of kit lot you know it's still small fits in the gig bag you know like i have it i have one that i use with that tiny little stonefield mini or micro mini like Mm. speaker that i that i have that's a full-fledged rig that is 
like doesn't even come up to my knees. That's great, <laughs> you know. But but it's it's not the kind of stuff. Where like, oh, check out my like. There's a there's a Saturday Night Live sketch where Will Ferrell is is like one of the ones there at Jeffries, and Will Ferrell pulls out this like super tiny little flip phone. It's what I always think about when I see like the ridiculous like tiny amp heads. And I don't things don't need to be big for big sake, but. You know, as long as things still sound good, I just feel like we've we've stopped caring about if stuff sounds good. Yeah. God damn. Well, there you go, dear listener. Yeah. You, you know, man it. yells at cloud. I yeah, literally. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine. I, I accepted that. That's what I do long ago. Well, that that anyway. That's all the time we have on this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. JD and me are going to go over and do a Patreon. If you want to get in touch with us for any reason, dear listener, you can. You can email us at info at guitarnerds.net or far more simple dm us on instagram or write us on the facebook group um if you're a patreon support you can contact us through patreon we're heading over there now join us there visit patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds for all the info on how to sign up and support our charming community which you can do dear listener for as little as a dollar a month thanks for listening you've been lovely we've been the guitar nerds farewell bye-bye you dear listener for listening to another episode of the guitar nerds podcast but thank you most of all to all of our top tier patreon supporters without you none of this would be possible thank you to marcus deluxe scott guitars suresh dorsonic pickups chris franklin anton fryant rust Meehan, barry grisbeck steve davis daniel walker joan brown john conaway the studio rats russell healing yogi the guitarist ty allen kyle harris sean hughes andy hoffler eric hemmer jeffrey wax Brian Einsler, Mark Hizau Kadawaki, Stuart Robson, Eric File, Peter Pete Andy Manley, Simon Milbourne, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Radomski, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dore, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Loseth, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kytopia the Band, J.D. Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordwick, Scott O'Brien, and Moog Gravit. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.